That's one one thing I like living uh, about living here in uh, in northern Europe is that it's so far north and the changes of time, the seasons, and the long summer days, and then the long nights in winter. I quite like the whole thing, in fact. <coughs> Just as a reflection, uh, to be able to use the uh, experience of c consciousness in order to observe and investigate. Because uh, if we don't develop this, then our life is merely a kind of perfunctory set of habits. And uh, we don't, we tend to uh, be lost in delusions and not be able to see what is what is happening right in front of us, within us, around us. One of the big obstructions, of course, is thinking. Because we attach to thinking and identified with thinking. We've developed the thought process to a high level. And so uh, being educated and having uh, acquired a lot of knowledge from books and uh, school and this is the information age there's so much information around so that uh, we we can just fill every conscious moment with thinking uh, worrying, planning, resenting, feeling angry, wanting something we don't have, complaining. Um, always, it's so, you know, the, the modern education is 
is based on reason, isn't it? On developing logic, reason, the intellect. And so this is the critical faculty. So we, we tend to be very critical. We, we're very much a, alert to what we like and don't like and what we think is right and what we believe is wrong. <coughs> So we get stuck in this uh, dualism of thought and uh, it's hard to get out of it because it does seem intelligent and, and it ha you know, being right and how things should be and ideals and that are terribly important and good and they should think be freedom and fairness and justice, compassion and all the best. That's right, we should, there should be all that. <laughs> and people shouldn't be selfish, mean, nasty, brutal, destructive, unfeeling, and so well, that's true, uh, that's very true. <coughs> and so when we get stuck in this realm of thought and ideas, then it, how do you get out of it? How do you, uh, how, you just get trapped in it and spend your life trying to, you know, make everything right and, uh, and inevitably fail. <coughs> no, there's so many, you know, novels and stories and biographies about idealistic people who've, who've you know, tried to create utopian uh, civilizations and perfect s political systems and economic systems and religions and on and on like this so it, and uh, you know based on how things should be what's fair and what's just what's right what's wrong isn't it is trying to get rid of what is wrong what shouldn't be And so uh, this, this realm of should and shouldn't, right and wrong, good and bad, good and evil is, is a trap of the mind. We create it, we get stuck into it. We believe it, we commit ourselves often to very high-minded ideals and, and worship those ideals without seeing what we're actually doing. We're not awake, we're... we're we're maybe worshipping or clinging to something very high and refined and beautiful, but we don't see what we're doing. So we get blinded by our own uh, altruism, idealism. So then the awakened, awakenness, the Bhutto, and then they encourage to investigate, to look into the nature of things, to not just look, not, not just think about how things should be, but and and then complain because they aren't what they don't fit the the uh, standard of what you think the, it should be. But you're actually 
observing the way it is, what attachment is, what desire is, what uh, ubadana, clinging is. We're observing it. We're not trying to decide that we shouldn't have desires and shouldn't be attached. Then we're back into the trap of the shoulds and shouldn'ts. The dualism of thinking. So that's why the, the uh, mindfulness is the path to the deathless, awareness, sati sampachanya, sati panya is the, is the uh, are the words that the Buddha used point to the reality of that is present here and now. As a human individual, human entity sitting here, uh, we're experiencing consciousness. The form, a human form, the bodies that we're experiencing at this moment, we, we begin to investigate, look into, uh, not with criticism, not with, uh, you know, with an ideal of how the body should or shouldn't be, but but observing the reality of physical experience at this moment. The physical body, sense, sensitive form, conscious is like this. So this is awakening. Wake up and observe. Pay attention to the way it is. Now that seems easy enough to say, and, and I'm sure you understand the words, but then we try to figure out how to do that, and we get wound up in our own doubts and thoughts about it. So stop thinking and trying to figure it out. Just, just trust yourself to observe the simple reality experience of a physical body at this moment that you're experiencing in consciousness is this way. Breath is like this. Inhalation is like this. Exhalation is like this. If I start describing to you how you should breathe, that there's a an ideal for breathing that I'm, that I, you know, that you should try to develop. Then, then you, then you, then you think. Well, Ajahn Sumedho said I should breathe in long on the inhalation, and then only half of that for the exhalation, for 10 counts, and then I should reverse it, breathe in halfway, and then a long exhalation for 10 counts, <laughs> and you'll get yourself into a real twist to that, <laughs> because you'll, you'll try to f follow my instructions, uh, as you think, well, Ajahn Sumedho knows He's the wise sage, and uh, so um, if he says I should breathe like this, this is the way I should breathe. But then you're just you're you're attaching, isn't it? You're not aware of what you're actually doing. You're maybe you know for trying to be a good monk or nun, follow the instructions and obey and all that kind of thing. But 
you're not really aware. And so you, you try to act like a monk or a nun, try to, to do all the right things and, and uh, follow the orders and so forth. But you're not aware, you're not awake of what you, you may be, you may not be awake to what's actually happening the way it is. Because you might assume that I'm the teacher, you're the student, I'm the wise person, you're the ignorant one, uh, I'm your teacher, and so therefore you should, a good student should follow their teacher, obey their teacher, respect their teacher, and, uh, and practice because he knows he's been in the monastic life for many years. You know, it's all reasoned out, sensible, you know, it's, it, should, it should be like that, students should follow respect their teachers, there's no, I have no problem with that. But what I'm trying to do is put that in a context, isn't it? That's, that's thinking again, that's convention. <coughs> there's nothing wrong with it, you know, it's not that you shouldn't respect me or, any, or do what I suggest, I'm not it's not reversing it, but what I'm trying to encourage is observing the, the, the way we can, the way we get intimidated, get fixed into the positions of the teacher-student or the senior-junior or this and that. And we, get, we, uh, we, we easily identify with the roles we have in the Sangha or the positions we hold, or the projections that people put onto it. Like, how many of you project a lot onto me, you know? How, how do you create me in your life? You know, whatever you think about me is something you create. That's not me, is it? <coughs> so, it might be good, you might think, He's very wise, wonderful, compassionate. <laughs> I mean, might think I can't stand the guy. He really annoys me and hates his American accent. <laughs> so the just, but being aware of this, you know, is like waking up. It's not telling you what you should think or how you should act. Or if I am telling you, if I am giving you advice and telling you what to do, what would really, what I encourage you to do is be aware of how it affects you. Like my words right now, when I'm, the way I'm talking at this moment, what I'm saying, how does it, how does it affect you? Can you really notice Do you, you find it interesting, confusing, you agree, don't agree, approve, don't approve, confused, bewildered, inspired, and it's you that know what's going on, isn't it, inside your conscious experience at this moment. It's only you that can be aware. <coughs> 
of the way it is at this moment. So this is what I mean to, uh, you know, this awakened awareness is the way to liberation. <clears throat> so we have consciousness, now what is that? You know, and so we, we people want to find out, uh, you know, go to the Pali Dictionary uh, in the library and look it up, see what, what they define vijnana, the Pali roots, get it down to a precise definition. Then all you're stuck with at the end of, the moment, uh, at the end of that is uh, some more words. Because consciousness is right now, you know, it's not, you don't have to define it, just recognize it. And, and if you're trying to define consciousness and figure, then you're, then you're not seeing what you're doing, you're merely getting lost in, the, in your thinking process. Because then you'll find very different definitions, different ways of defining it. Is it immortal or is it just the momentary, momentary? Is it just a flash and then it's gone or is it continuous? Is it eternal, infinite? Or is it mortal and conditioned? And then we, you know, try to figure that one out. <coughs> but in terms of experience right now, I'm not trying to find consciousness, I'm recognizing, realizing it's this way. Where's consciousness? It's in my brain? And I could think it's consciousness is in my brain. But then I don't really, those are just more words again. But reflecting on conscious experience this moment, you're in my consciousness, all of you. You know, you, at this moment, this, this moment, sitting here in the temple, I can see you with, eye, with my eyes, conscious. So you're in, in consciousness. If I'm unconscious, then I'd probably be uh, dead. So I'm not trying to figure out things on a, on a kind of ultimate level of, you know, of a perfect uh, paradigm or, or metaphysical doctrine, but just trusting in the reality of experience here and now, because that's all we have, isn't it? That's all any, any of us have, is the here and now, the way it is. And on the grand scale, the macrocosmic reality uh, 
you know, of the vast infinities and the universes and so forth. This we can, we have to use these kind of words to kind of conceive the potential, the 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 uh, macrocosmic reality that is too much to understand at this moment in terms of thought <coughs> or perception. So then we we can talk about the the microcosm of this moment. This moment, this 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 individual entity here sitting on this high seat speaking into this microphone. This is this is what I experience. This experience is this. And so awakening to this, recognizing this, not criticizing or or trying to find anything, but opening, receiving, noticing, observing. So then we we go to the very you know, the the body, because that's here and now. Consciousness is now. The body is now. Sensitivity is now, and that we we experience. Uh, this is a sense realm. We've got sense organs. We see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think. We have memories. So, uh, but that which is aware of all this. Behind the scene, there's awareness. It's not just a kind of seeing that that is uh, just habitual, isn't it? There's an awareness of seeing. Seeing is this way: hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. So this is. What I what I call intuit intuition or intuitive awareness. So it's not a logical function. It doesn't need words. You just need to. You don't need to ha- even have concepts or anything. You just trust yourself to observe, to be here and now, to notice, pay attention. The sensory world, the sensitive realm that, that we're experiencing, we're born into it and we've got sense, sensitive bodies. This is the experience of total sensitivity, having a human body. So, we, we're incarcerated in a body for a lifetime, as long as the body's living. Then we, it's, we're experiencing its sensitivity. So. That's just the way it is. But then out of ignorance, not awakened, not awakening, but just operating from habit and conditioning, the cultural conditioning, we identify. I am my body. And uh, then, we, then we have ideals of what body should look like, be like. Uh, isn't it the... the the modern fashions, the ideal perfect form, the female form, the male form, perfect complexion, perfect nose, eyes, mouth. <laughs> and then we compare 
ourselves in the mirror with these performances, well, become critical. We're stuck with the, you know, seeing, well, <coughs> why didn't God make me perfect? Why didn't he give me perfect mouth? Perfect mouth. <laughs> why, did, why are some people really ugly and others really beautiful? And It's not fair, is it? shouldn't be like that. If, if God were really the almighty creator loving us all equally, we would have made us all exactly the same. All absolutely beautiful and perfect. <laughs> There's a kind of logic there, I think. <clears throat> but that's not the way it is. The way it is, it's like this. Isn't it? this, this form is like this. Nose, ears, chin, mouth, complexion, height, gender. It's the like this. This is the you know, and it's not a criticism, but it's it's awakening to the reality of this, which isn't comparing it with what we would like, but receiving, as we we learn from the way it is. So then the. In Buddhism, they use the word karma, law of karma. <coughs> and then karma becomes a, a kind of, a, you know, totally misunderstood concept by most Western people. <laughs> so it, yeah, but what it really means, like, to me, this word is quite valuable because uh, the karma being born, isn't it? Is it? Uh, you know, I'm going to experience death in the future. If uh, this body never been born, it would never die. That's karma, isn't it? Cause and effect. Then you're born into this realm, sensitive realm, in a universe that's very mysterious and very violent and very uh, magnificent, but also absolutely terrifying. And look, when you hear the news about what's been happening, all these hurricanes in, in the Caribbean and in the North America, and all, terrible storms and violent uh, uh, natural uh, conditions that you can't blame on humanity. You can say, well, it's because human beings of the, because of the uh, um, destruction of the environment, there's more, we can, we can go on into that one if you want. But nature, you know, even before humans did anything to pollute the planet, this nature still was pretty bloody violent. When you look at the history of this planet. So, we're living in, in a realm that is sensitive. It's, uh, it's, it's energy, isn't it? It's, it's just this incessant energy and movement and change. So awakening uh, to this, awakening to the changingness that we're experiencing now. We're not we're not thinking about change in, in some abstract way of uh, tornadoes or hurricanes, but change in just the way we experience it, in just the inhalation, exhalation. We're not waiting for some kind of catastrophe or fantastic event. What the Buddha pointed to is just the, the, the simple 
ordinariness of daily life. Breathing in, breathing out, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Ordinariness that, that much of our life is spent in just this ordinariness. The big events, the big storms, the, the catastrophes, the tragedies, they're not, I mean, not, you know, those things happen. But most, most of our life is like this, isn't it? It's neither nor. Breathing, inhaling, exhaling is not fantastic. It's not, you know, traumatic. It's not uh, anything that we can say is pleasurable or painful. It is what it is. At least my breathing. When I breathe in, it's like this, breathe out like that. I say, maybe I should be experiencing pleasure. Maybe breathing is a kind of pleasure I'm missing out on. So then I try to see it as pleasure. But then I'm I'm trying to convince myself of something, isn't it? I want to experience pleasure. But breathing is, is just this way. Without trying to make it into anything more than that, the way it is is, is this, this sequence of words, the way it is, is pointing. It's, it's, uh, I find this a helpful combination of thoughts, of words, that Bring, bring, bring my attention to just this, to the inhalation, exhalation, sitting, like this. Consciousness. So in, uh, in meditation, the, the aim is to is to awaken this. And so they, they kind of, in monastic forms, monastic life, life of Samana is, is an aid to this. Is meant to be something that, that helps support this and encourage us rather than to uh, become identified with it. You know, as being a, Monk or none, is this another identity that we adopt? <coughs> and then create all kinds of uh, problems around it. Self-investment, conceit, complaints, loves and hates, views and opinions. It's easy to do. <laughs> Because that's how we're conditioned, isn't it? I'm conditioned to do that, culturally conditioned to do that. I admit it. The society I was born into, you know, there was no kind of advice to be awake that I remember. Except my mother say, wake up, dear. Time to go to school. (laughs) But I don't think she had the same... She didn't see it in the same way as I do. But she did have a point. Wake up is very, you know, you have to wake up if you've got to go to school. But this is not about waking up in order to go somewhere, but waking to be here and now, to be fully present. And to to recognize 
It's just this much. It's nothing fantastic. It's ordinary. Where on your ideal level, you'll strive to become, won't you? When you, you know, the way the, the mind is conditioned is the becoming. I've got to become enlightened. Or I've got to become mindful. We can take mindfulness and then say, I've got to become a mindful monk. I've got to get rid of my defilement. I've got to get rid of my selfishness. And I've got to get rid of anger and greed and delusion. In order to become an enlightened arahant. So then that's, that's thinking again, isn't it? When you're trapped into that, what happens? If you don't see what you're doing, you don't see the grasping of concepts. Concepts are fine, nothing wrong with them, but the grasping out of ignorance, out of unawakenedness, will only lead to more disillusionment. That's not the way. The Buddha didn't say to become enlightened, to become something, but to awaken So that, uh, the word Buddha itself means awakened. So that's very significant. To me that's that's a very significant word, Buddha, Bhutto. So then I just noticed, like, if when I get into, I've got to purify myself. I've got to uh, practice more. Because I have, uh, I have a lot of uh, uh, unresolved emotions. You can imagine all kinds of things. We're great at it in the West. And we've got latent tendencies and, and, and uh, the dark elements lying deep down within our psyches. And, and we, we've got super dramatic pictures of, of, of a human consciousness. got to come to grips with my resentments and my jealousies and so we we and by thinking in this way we grasp that and when we try to do things in order to become someone free from greed hatred and delusion free from fear free from jealousy free from resentment And so you practice hard, go through years of psychotherapy, sit on a zafu for 50 years, but you've never really awakened. So you end up in the same place. You might be a little better than you were, is, is the best you can expect. <coughs> so you might, you know, become reconciled to your fate, maybe. <laughs> Old age helps. Being old, there certainly has its advantages. So, but it's still not awakened. 
So that's why I, you know, just investigating this sense of I am somebody who's got to do something in order to become something. That, you know, just recognizing that is not the Dhamma. That's not, that's not real Dhamma. That comes from thinking, from my conditioned mind. I'm not saying it's right or wrong either. I'm not, I'm not judging it, I'm just noticing it. So I'm, I'm beginning to awaken to that intuitive sense, that intuitive intelligence that's transcending your thought process and your critical mind. So then that is to be realized. And when we chanted the Tamajaka this evening and the Third Noble Truth, realize the cessation. Thoughts arise and cease. I am unenlightened. This is a, this is, these are three words I create into consciousness. I am unenlightened and I need to practice meditation in order to become enlightened in the future. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's wrong or right. I'm just noticing it. Is it it's words, isn't it? It's a creation that I'm creating that. Because I'm thinking I am what is it that notices, that is aware of my thinking I am? Because I, you know, I'm aware. There's awareness behind the I. Then when they, well, I think I, and then there's nothing there. What is that? Just awareness. There's consciousness. So investigating that, saying that, that whatever you think you are and believe in or your ideals or views and opinions or uh, it's not a judgment, a value judgment uh, or moral judgment on anything on the condition realm. It's awakened to awakening to the way it is. That thinking is <coughs> a creation It has no, you know, it, it's very dependent. What I think depends on so many other conditions. You know, so it's, uh, uh, this is just, you know, that's why thinking is, is always changing, why it wanders. And, and as long as we're bound to our thinking process, blinded by it, then we'll be forever caught into that delusion unless we awaken to it. And it's nothing, uh, you know, fantastic at all that I'm suggesting. (laughs) 
So realizing this, recognizing, in other words, like, like realization, the word, English word realization, uh, is, it's reality, isn't it? The word real, reality, realization. The reality is this. I, and it ceases, realizing its absence. There's no I now. But there's consciousness. There's no Ajahn Sumedho. I have to... I'm Ajahn Sumedho, I'm Ajahn Sumedho, I'm Ajahn, then, I, then Ajahn Sumedho arrives. <laughs> but I, I can't sustain, I'm not going to go through my life thinking I'm Ajahn Sumedho every moment. <laughs> you know, I don't have to think that very often. So, uh, when there's no thought of I am, what is still present here and now, So this is like investigating. Yoniso manasikara, this Pali word, getting to the very root. <coughs> and uh, just by noticing the space around the thought. And so it's con there's consciousness and, 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 and rea realizing this. That otherwise we do, we get caught in the words. When I start thinking, I am unenlightened, I need to practice more in order to become enlightened, and then I tend to, well, and uh, I'm not awakened to that, then I tend to operate from that, and then I feel, oh, I should be practicing more. I didn't, how many hours a day did I sit today? And, and uh, I did feel a bit of resentment uh, this morning over something, and I, and I did kind of blow it the other day. I said something I shouldn't have. And oh, you know, I've been a monk 40 years. And <laughs> and it goes on and on like that, you know, because I've, I've got kind of grasped the basic delusion of I am somebody. I am this person. That I'm not, there's something wrong with me. You know, so I have to practice. I've got to do something in order to become some ideal I have of an enlightened, what an enlightened person should be, like an arahant. I should be, try to become an arahant. We've got the words, you know, uh, well, there's a bodhisattva. And people in, uh, in uh, people always have these things. Which is the best, Bodhisattva or Arahant? <laughs> Always seems like such a ridiculous question. <laughs> you don't even know what they are, do you? And you're trying to decide which one is the best. So you tend to, you know, apply altruism, Bodhisattva, totally selfless, working for the welfare of Arahant, uh, you know, is uh, free from all delusions. Which one should I choose? 
get myself into into another state of doubt and indecision around words. Nice words, very good words, nothing wrong with them. But not awaken to the fact that they, they, the grasping of ideas out of ignorance leads to, is the cause of suffering. So I find like tuning in to the present in this more and more like monastic form is really, if used properly, it's, 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 a, it's an encouragement to be here and now. Not to become anything. It's about ordinariness, not trying to become, uh, you know, a great teacher or somebody special. Not, we're not trying to make ourselves the kind of intimidating uh, beings in a society, you know, saying we're, we're celibate and we, we're pure, much better than the lay community. We can use it like that if you want, but I guarantee that will not be liberating to, to attach, to create yourself with monastic uh, adjectives or identities. So then the obvious reality is here and now, the way it is. And so the, uh, one, you know, like in the centering on just something obvious, like the posture, the breath, sound of silence. is uh, my favorite practice, just being present in this uh, resonating vibration. And the self disappears. No Ajahn Sumato, no, no Lung Pa, no somebody that has a lot of defilements needing to do something to get rid of them. But certainly conscious and intelligent and fully present, including uh, the the realities of this moment, the, the conditions that impinge in, uh, into into the consciousness at this moment. It's a receptive state. Then if I you know, I like this and I don't like that and I agree with this and I don't agree with that and and uh, get on into that. Then I'm back into the sangsara, the dualism of my thinking. Because on a personal level, my personality is based on preferences. You know, as a person, As this kind of person, personality that I have, the karma that I'm living with, uh, I like some things better than others. I prefer this to that, or have, you know, certain opinions and views about how things should be. And as a person. But I'm finding that is no longer what I respect or want to 
perpetuate is my personality, my views and opinion. I no longer believe in it. And it, it, you know, by investigating it, by recognizing it, I don't trust it, and I don't no longer seek to to live my life in in that with that delusion, because of the awakened state. This is where there is liberation and freedom. The simple awakenness of being, and this. And in this awakenedness, then there is, you know, uh, Theravada monasticism as we experience it here in England is, you know, it has a very nice form and based on generosity and morality, practice, cultivation of awareness. So then there's a sense of, you know, a gratitude, contentment, joyousness in, in the fact in the, my li- the life within the conventional form uh, the here and now is, is a, like a blessing. It's, a, it's a, an aid, it's a help, but not an identity. Mm. So then, they, you know, they, they do, do you ever uh, do you ever feel anger or resentment or greed or lust or jealousy or fear or? And uh, these are part of being human, in the part of the one's karma. It's how we relate to these, and then how. You know, if we relate to them through grasping them or recognizing them. Now, if I'm if I'm not awake, not aware, then I tend to somebody says insults me and uh, calls me uh, terrible names, and I'm not aware. I just react because my personality my personality doesn't like to be called terrible names, and I don't like to be insulted. And I and one of the worst experiences personally is be feeling humiliated. Personally, that is one of the most unbearable experiences I remember is when I felt humiliated in public. <coughs> I just can't bear it. So when when somebody humiliates me in public. You know, I, if I'm not aware, then I tend to react, get lost in it, resent, get angry, enraged. But if I'm aware, then I'm certainly aware of that feeling. You know, I'm aware that when the conditions for that particular emotion are present, this is what I'm feeling. You know, the re- so it's a, like... Awakenness is the refuge, not in pu- not in uh, seeking revenge uh, and uh, resenting you for insulting 
me personally. You still feel it, you know, still the feeling there, but because uh, this the, that's the way it is. But the relationship to it is transcending it, is knowing, seeing, learning from it, not in attaching, being lost into it, either through, you know, grasping it or trying to get rid of it, trying to resist it. So, like my personality, just beginning to see I'm not the personality, the Sakya Ditti. It still operates, but it's not, you know, it is what it is. It's conditioned, it's karma, it's the, these are ways of, of, of uh, talking about it, pointing to it. Rather than, you know, some, you know, where the personal flaws, my weaknesses, I've got to <coughs> make myself totally immune. So when somebody insults me, I feel absolutely nothing, like an arahant. Arahant probably doesn't feel anything. Somebody calls an arahant a, a horrible name, insults him, insults his mother and father, and every <laughs> and the arahant just doesn't feel anything at all. Just total blank. Well, that's an ideal, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, that's what you might think an arahant is. You know, because there's a part of us that would just love not to feel things, isn't it? Feeling is, you know, is difficult. Being sensitive and feeling is, is uh, you know, constant and relentless. And in my generation in the States, we were brought up, men shouldn't feel anything. You know, it was, uh, it was a macho time in in the USA where you were trying to, uh, men, boys don't cry, we don't feel anything. I remember being in the Navy. You know, we all pretended we didn't feel anything. On the ship I was on, you know. Are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid of anybody. You know, it was tough, unfeeling. Is, is that an arahant? <clears throat> a tough guy. But inside, you probably, I was frightened just like anyone else, you know, with a, trying to make myself, I didn't want to feel, didn't like feeling. But in awakening, isn't it, this is a sense realm, this is a feeling realm. It's the way it is. Having eyes, uh, having to look at things, you know, and oftentimes having to look at things I don't like. See things I don't want to see, feel things I don't want to feel. But this is the realm, the conscious, sensitive realm that we're experiencing at this moment. So the relationship to it is through awakening to it, recognizing it, realizing it, rather than reacting to it out of habit, conditioning, ignorance, which we only create suffering and unhappiness in our lives and in the society we live in.
So this is the reflection for this evening. Uh, you don't have to believe anything I've said. <laughs> My, uh, encouragement to uh, to to uh, practice this way. You know, the, uh, it's the the wonderful ability human beings have. We all have is to awaken. This is a, this is a wonderful uh, opportunity for all of us. And uh, here, this is the main purpose for being here, for everyone here, is to encourage this awakenness and to learn to recognize and value it in yourself. You know, to because that's that's all you have. Wherever you go, you're with this, this body, this breath, this consciousness. <coughs> so this is, and you learn from it. You 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 learn from the way you are, the, your karmic tendencies, good and bad, right and wrong. And what do you learn? You learn that. Not to attach to it, not to be overwhelmed, intimidated, lost in the in just the conditions of the body, the emotions, the the uh, memories, thoughts. So that's enough for this evening. <laughs>